Well, good evening, everyone. Good to have you here. Hopefully you made it through the storms. I thought it was supposed to be pretty bad during the afternoon, but it's supposed to potentially clear up. I don't know. We'll see. With that being said, we're moving our fireworks and everything from tonight to tomorrow night. Okay, Pastor said this morning, Tuesday, but we've been hearing all afternoon, Pastor, we have stuff already planned on Tuesday, and we, you know, so we're moving it to tomorrow. Okay, so tomorrow night, uh, you can show up really anytime. It's Pastor's house, so he can, uh, he, no, I'm just kidding. You can show up anytime. Um, about 6 or 7 is when everything will kind of get going. Um, food will be around 7, 7.15, 7.30, somewhere in there. Um, but there will be games set out. Uh, if you're coming just for the fireworks, that will be around 9 to 9.15, um, depending on when they'll get 9.30, you're right. Uh, but if you want to get here, early is on time, not faster. So, yeah, so get here early. Uh, but come anywhere between 6, 7. You can come here at 3.30 if you want. You might be the only one here. Um, although Pastor, it's his house, like I said. So, uh, but no, tomorrow night instead of tonight. So tomorrow night. So if you had plans tonight to stay, you get another free night tonight, and then tomorrow night will be uh, when we do all our stuff. If you brought food, leave it in the fridge. I'll try not to eat it tomorrow at work. Um, and no, um, so leave it in the fridge, and then we'll use it again tomorrow night. So tomorrow night, six to seven. Uh, that way, after TNT, nothing will happen for that either. So I want to make sure I get that before. Because uh, Ryan Carter is going to remind me if I forgot. So welcome to those of you uh, joining us for the first time. If you're joining us for the first time here in person, please stop by our welcome desk on your way out. I don't see any first-time guests, but I'm kind of just glancing over quickly. If you're joining us for the first time online, please go to sptne.org slash contacts, or you can go and scan that QR code. We'd love to have you fill out that form and get a record of your visit there. rent teen or Rat Patrol, as Pastor said, I have no clue what Rat Patrol is. So um, I'm the under-40 age group. So... Um, but the rent-a-teen, if you have any odd house jobs or yard work or anything that needs to be done, these teenagers are trying to earn money for camp. So see Pastor Andrew if you're interested, and all the money that gets donated goes towards their camp, which is next week for campers that are going a week from tomorrow. You guys leave. Um, TNT it goes on every Tuesday this summer, and so it continues again this week on the 4th of July, and so we're looking forward to that. So uh, we've been having about 40 to 50 every week, and so we're looking forward to seeing if we can grow that by having visitors brought and uh, see if we can continue to get the gospel out in our community here through the teenagers. Our missionaries of the week are Rodney and Kathy Fitzsimmons. As Pastor mentioned this morning, they, uh, he just got back from the Philippines. Another uh, cool update that they had, so they had a missionary that they started supporting through what they call the Timothy Project, where they kind of support national pastors. And uh, he went to Myanmar, and when he got to the place that he was at, there were no professing Christians in the whole town. And now they have weekly about 60 people that come to their services, and they just dedicated a building that uh, Carpenter's Project helped pay for, and uh, so that was exciting. So you can read more about that in the um, binder out there. We read about all our missionaries that have their updates there for that. But that was exciting for them to see this church be dedicated to the Lord and built, and uh, they've been averaging about 60 people that have been coming regularly to their services. Um, there were none when he first arrived there. So that's exciting to see the Lord work in that area. We'll have the men come forward at this time to receive our, our tithes and offerings, and I'm going to ask Matt Kravolka if he would pray for the offering and for the service and for our missionaries. And thank you just for um, your many blessings. And uh, Lord, I ask that you would please uh, continue to be with the Fitzsimmons and bless their ministry. Um, thank you for the fruit that is seen even in this new church plant. And just ask that you continue to grow that work. Uh, I pray for the, uh, the tithes and offerings this evening. I pray that you would bless that and use this. Uh, Lord, to further the ministry, help us to use it wisely, and for your honor and for your glory. And we pray that you bless this evening. Uh, pray that uh, we would just have attentive hearts and be ready, Lord, to receive what you have for us and help us to continue to pursue after you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
Good evening, church. If you would stand with me, we're going to be singing our first song, our first song tonight. We're going to be singing Complete in Thee, all four verses, Complete in Thee. Complete in Thee, the work of mine may take here, Lord, place of thine. My blood has poured and bought for me, as I shall stand. that chorus one more time, all right? Just the chorus a cappella. I like it. Just give us that note. We'll go. Here we go. Yay, justified. Nice. You may be seated. All right. Birthdays, anniversaries this last week. Anybody have anniversary? Wow. We wondered when it exactly was. You guys started celebrating it so long ago. And just <laughs> so when was your anniversary? It was uh, June 27th. Is that right? June 27th. How many years? Everybody in 25 years. Yeah, that was a big one. All right. So we'll come back to what the secret is, the secret, we already know the secret, like European trips and that kind of stuff. What the secret is for 25 years of marital bliss, Miss Susan. Wow, how many years today? 40 years. Wow, congratulations. So what we do, if you haven't been around long enough, to, we ask you both to share the secret to 40 years of marital bliss. So we'll come back to you in just a minute. You can think about it for a moment. Anybody else? Who are we pointing to? Miss Becca. Birthday was? Today, wow, okay, and how long have you known the Lord as your Savior? Eight years, praise the Lord, that's wonderful. Anybody else, birthdays or anniversaries, who are we pointing to? Miss Anna? Saturday the 24th was your birthday? How long have you known the Lord as your Savior? 48 years, wow, praise the Lord, that is great, 48 years. Who are you pointing to, Jack? Oh, your parents. Stephanie's like, no, please. <laughs> I take it as an anniversary. Monday. How many years? 24. 20. <laughs> he was sure it was 30. Uh, 20, <laughs> 
24 years. Amen. Anybody else? Birthdays or anniversaries? All right, we'll start with the young bucks over here. 24 years of marital bliss. What's the secret? Matt? 24 isn't enough. <laughs> That's a good one. Good answer. 24 is not enough. So today, at uh, Mark Felber's 40th anniversary at the church, a guy gave a speech, and at the end of it, he said, and we're looking forward to 40 more. <laughs> he was a little more enthusiastic than I was. I was like, wow, okay, so you can actually make 24 more years. I don't know about the 40 more years for Mark, but that's a different story. Miss Stephanie. Patience. And kids that don't talk, I mean, never mind. <laughs> And 25 years. Okay, now we come to you guys. Who's going to go first? I've had the privilege of spending a lot of time together with Christy. And spending time together is really enjoyable. I say that is one of the things that I like. Fantastic. Spend time together. That will get you to 25 years of marital bliss. And never give up. And never give up. Amen. All right. 40. Now we get to the veterans. So, what's the secret, Miss Susan? Stay together. <laughs> hey, don't make this hard. <laughs> Stay together. I like it. For the Gary? Patience. All right. So patience. I like it. Patience and stay together. All right. So let's sing happy birthversary to all of these uh, young folks here. Happy birthversary to you. Happy birthversary to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. So you might notice that uh, we're missing an intern. Grant is supposed to be reading the uh, the uh, scripture for us tonight, but he has got that virus, whatever it is, that uh, has attacked his throat. So for we we've tried getting him to uh, to uh, immediate care three different times. They couldn't get him in. Finally, yesterday, they got him in. They put him on steroids because his throat was so swollen. But it came back negative for strep. It is a virus of some sort. So uh, he is feeling better, but he doesn't want any of you to panic around him. So he's he's ensconced over there in the house, and he says he's watching online, so we'll find out if he's a thing. <laughs> Come on up, Brother John. Well, please stand again for the reading of God's Word. Joshua chapter 5, verses 10 through 15. And the children of Israel encamped in Gilgal and kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month at even in the plains of Jericho. And they did eat of the old corn of the land on the morrow after the Passover, unleavened cakes and parched corn in the selfsame day. And the manna ceased on the morrow after they had eaten of the old corn of the land. Neither had the children of Israel manna any more, but they did eat of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us or for our adversaries? And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth, and did worship, and said unto him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place whereon thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. May your hearts be sanctified by God's word tonight. You may be seated.
next song is going to be Ode to See the Dawn or The Power of the Cross. in your hymnal is Victory in Jesus.
Well, good evening. Uh, if you would, open, oh man, I was going to say record, new record right there. All right, open your Bibles if you would to Acts 16. And if you would stand, we're going to stand for a scripture reading. We're going to read, start in verse 6. If I can get there myself. Acts 16, verse 6, it says, Now when they had gone throughout Pergia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. And, that, and they were come to Mycenae, and they essayed to go to Methenia, but the Spirit suffered them not. And they, passing by Mycenae, came to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia, and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen the vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time, Lord. I thank you for the ability to come and preach. I thank you for the freedom that we have to uh, hear your word. I pray, Lord, that you would uh, just give me the words to speak, help me to be clear, and help it to move someone. I pray, Lord, that this sermon would be for your honor and glory. In Jesus' precious name, amen. You may be seated. I want to thank everybody for coming. Uh, thank Pastor John uh, and Miss Melody and the rest of the staff for the opportunity to come and speak. Uh, it's interesting. So everybody comes and like asks us, like, okay, how does Pastor recruit you guys to come and be interns at uh, what was it Church Southeast? And I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm frazzled with it. And I, I'm like, we're all like, well, he doesn't really recruit. It's like by word of mouth. And uh, mine was even more different of how he recruited me. Uh, I went to camp, so I'm a, I'm a, I just finished my freshman year of college, and so last year I was at camp. So I went to Camp Kobiak the same week that Southeast did, and I remember going up to Pastor Andrew after one of the weeks because I knew him, and I went up and shook his hand after one of the services, and I looked back as I was walking out the building, and Pastor John went to Pastor Andrew's like, who's that kid? Pastor Andrew's like, I don't know. (laughs) I was like, and so I went back, I went back to Pastor Andrew later, and we talked, and he's like, I remember you now, it's great to see you, Um, but I started to get to know Pastor John a bit more as that time went on, and uh, at the end of the week, I got a shirt, Kobiak shirt, and I had Pastor John sign it. And he like, okay, he's like, after he signing, he's like, what can I pray about? You know, what's your name, type of thing. And then he's like, what are you, you know, what are you doing? I said, I'm going to college. I'm going to be studying pastoral ministries, and I'm uh, going to be you know, trying to serve the Lord. And he pulled out his phone and he went to the contact card and he said, put your name, number, and in the company line, possible intern in. And I'm like, okay. And so here we are. Um, but it's just, it's great to see how God works. I did not, some guy that I barely knew, like I've, I've come to rekindle that I heard of Southeast. I came to rekindle back in 2019, so I think I remember actually meeting Pastor John then, just in passing, but like some things that you just never imagine happening. And so, but it, it's interesting how much uh, we need to be, Pastor John needs to be uh, sensitive to his spirit as he makes decisions. I mean, as he picked the three of us interns, he needed to be sensitive because there was a lot more, I believe there's a few more applicants or people that were interested in it, but as Pastor John was picking, as Pastor John was praying about it, he picked us three, which we're going to leave that for another day. But it's interesting that Pastor John or the staff or anybody, as we make decisions, we need to pray and we need to seek God's counsel for it. And in this passage, we see that. My sermon title, or my title for tonight, is Being Sensitive to the Spirit. Because as we look through this passage, and as we look through the entirety of Acts 16, as we do today, we're going to see one thing come up over and over again. As Paul reaches and tries to spread the gospel, we see one thing coming up, the Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, saying no, or yes. Spirit moving. And Paul had to be sensitive to the Spirit. And as Christians, it is important that we are sensitive to the Spirit. So as we saw under Acts 16, 1-6, we see, we see three reasons why we should be sensitive to the Spirit in this passage in Acts 16. The first reason is that the Spirit can change your plans. Acts 16, verse 6 says, Now when they had gone throughout Pergia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Ghost to preach the word in Asia. A little background here. Paul is just coming off, splitting off from Barnabas. At end of Acts 15, Paul and Barnabas were about to go on their third ministry journey, and Paul and Barnabas end up splitting up. 
Paul, Barnabas took John Mark, and Paul took Silas. And in the beginning of Acts 16, Paul adds to the team Titus. Or Timothy, not Titus, Timothy. In Acts 16. And now here we are, they're getting ready to go into this next missionary journey. And Paul wants to go to Asia. Paul wanted to go to Asia. Asia is a broad term. It included a lot of places. If we think about Asia today, we think of a big, vast place. Now Asia back in this time was more like Asia Minor or modern-day Turkey. And so Asia for them would have included uh, places like Lycia, which was an important city of worship for Apollo and Artemis. So it would be good to go there, right, because there's false gods there. So it would be good for them to go and speak the word to them. It would have included portions of Fergia, which they said they had gone through which is known for their wine and grave exports, which it would have been Mycia, the northwest corner of Asia Minor. It included ancient Asia as a whole. It was a big place that Paul was going because it's such a broad term. Where, now, we have speculations of where Paul probably was going to go. Paul probably meant the Aegean coast, the cities along the Aegean coast, which would have included Ephesus and places of that sort, Colossae. Which, but Paul ended up going there in Acts 19 and 20. The city of Philadelphia, which is mentioned in uh, Revelation 3, would have been the furthest east he would have gone along these lines. But I don't think that's the point. We read this verse and it says, Now when they got throughout Pergia and the region of Galatia, they assayed, or they tried to go into, uh, they tried to go into Galatia, but they're forbidden. I think the point isn't where they wanted to go and where, where Paul wanted to reach the word, but where God said they were going to go. Because it says the Holy Ghost forbid them. Holy Ghost said no. I think that's the point of it. The, they were forbidden to preach the word of God by the Holy Ghost. They were forbidden to preach to those who needed it. Yet, this was the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit changed Paul's plan, and it was his work. Paul simply was not the right person in the right place at the right time. We don't often think of that. We don't often understand that, because Paul was the missionary of the missionaries, possibly the greatest missionary ever. And yet he, he himself is getting told, no, he can't go somewhere. And so what does Paul do? Paul wanted to go to Asia, but it says Paul tried to go to Bithynia. Verse 7, it says, After they were come to Mycenae, which is also part of Asia, they essayed to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit suffered them not. The route's really unclear. We don't know what they're doing. We don't know where they're going. They're just trying to find a place to go. But it says the Spirit suffered them not. Again, Paul was not the right person in the right place at the right time. I mean, I feel like I'm a downer because every time we read this, we look and we say, Paul, man, Paul's trying to go spread the word, and what's God saying? No. The Spirit's saying no. It, so- it sounds weird to us. But the Spirit works in mysterious ways, as we know. Because here's the thing. The people of Bithynia would get the word, and soon. See, the Apostle Peter would end up sending his first and second epistle to the people of Bithynia and the people of Asia as a whole. 1 Peter 1.1 1, 1 says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers through, scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. See, when Paul was told, no, God had other plans, he was going to send Peter and have Peter spread the gospel there. 2 Peter 3.1 says, This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which to stir up your pure minds by the way of remembrance. So Paul was told, no. What did he do? He said in verse, it says in verse 8, they, passing by Mycenae, came to Troas. So they go to Troas, which was a port city on the Aegean coast. It makes it even, it makes it even clearer that why Paul, maybe Paul wanted to go to Ephesus in that area. But the Spirit had a particular plan. They knew that God would eventually, Paul knew that God would eventually reveal to them where they were to go, what they were to do. And contrary to their own mind, their own beliefs, they were going to submit to the will of God. Contrary to our own minds, our own beliefs, we need to be submitting, we need to be submitting and willing to do wherever God goes, gives us to go and do whatever God wants us to do. Even if it means we can't go in a certain direction. Paul had to change his plans. Paul had to change what he was going to do, but he was willing to do it because he knew God had greater plans. And so what did the Spirit do? The Spirit led to Macedonia. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. There stood a man of Macedonia and prayed him, saying, Come over into Macedonia and help us. And after he had seen a vision, immediately we endeavored to go into Macedonia, assuredly gathering that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel unto them. God had other plans. He had sent a vision to Paul. Paul was invited to go to Macedonia. 
this would move Paul and his ministry team from the continent of Asia to the continent of Europe. See, Paul wanted to win a few cities for Christ, but God, Christ wanted him to win a few a continent, an entire continent. God's plan is starting to unfold here. God's great, the greatness of God is starting to show that God had greater plans for Paul than even Paul could imagine. So the Macedonian man wanted help. It says, a vision appeared and there stood a man of Macedonia praying him, asking him to come over, help us. Paul was going to bring the gospel. Paul was going to go help them with whatever they needed, but the most important thing Paul could do to help them was bring them the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. See, without the gospel, little real help is ever given. So Paul didn't hesitate to go. It says, after he'd seen the vision, immediately they endeavored to go. Paul went without hesitation. Paul left. Paul did what he was supposed to do. This was a strong, godly man leading a strong, godly crew, a strong, godly team of ministers. And they were willing to do whatever it took. They knew. It says, it says immediately, assuredly, or really knowing, gathering, that the Lord had called them. They knew it was from the Lord. They knew that God was calling them to do what they were about to do. It brings up the point that obedience to the Spirit will bring direction. Obedience to the Spirit brings direction. Paul was obedient to the Spirit no matter what, where he went, what needed to go. And it brought direction. Which makes me wonder, which makes me ask myself, am I obedient to the Spirit in the small steps of faith? Or in the general commands of faith? So I, if I'm not obedient in the general commands of faith, why would I be obedient in God's specific will or specific command for me? He's, if we're not obedient in the command of evangelism, to go into the world and preach the gospel and teach all nations, or the, the command of holiness, to be holy because God is holy, how about the, the command of using our resources, giving our time, our talent, our treasure to Jesus and get, letting him use them? Or our relationships, giving our relationships to God and having God honor relationships. Or our Bible study, making sure we're reading and we're memorizing scripture or church attendance and making sure we are not forsaking the assembly of believers together. How can we, if we're not doing that, how can we be trusted with a specific will if we're not obeying the general will? Obedience to the Spirit brings direction. Because the Spirit can change your plans. Secondly, the Spirit can cause trial. Let's get down to verse 16 of this passage, the Spirit can cause trials. Verse 16, it says, And it came to pass, as we went to pray, a certain damsel, possessed with the spirit of divination, met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, and cried, saying, These men are servants of the Most High God, and which show unto us salvation, the way of salvation. And this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out the same hour. And when, he, and when her masters saw that their hope of gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew him up into the marketplace, into the rulers. There was trials that were caused. Paul and Silas were following the Spirit. They, they ended up in and. Philippi at this point, we're going to get back to that in a second. They end up in Philippi, and they're going, and they're spreading the gospel. They're doing their job, and what happens? Trials come. There was demon possession. Verse 16 says, a, some, a certain damsel filled with the spirit of divination. It's a damsel or a slave girl who was possessed. She's filled with what's called the spirit of divination. The Greek word for this means python or python. It's, it's believed in Greek mythology that the god Apollo killed a fortune-telling snake called a python. And it's believed that the fortune-telling snake, the ghost of the fortune-telling snake, now went and went into people, all hypothesis. But, like demons, this was a tool of Satan, and there, she was there to try and stop them. It was a spirit of divination, and so she tried. She proclaims truths. They followed and said, these men are the servants of the Most High God. She proclaimed the truth, but what the problem was that if she was doing this, people would start believing, oh, maybe she's a part of the crew, part of Paul's team, and so people would start following her instead of Paul and Silas, or Paul and his team. And so this man, the demon here was able to see the true nature of Paul's message. And so Paul calls in the name of Jesus Christ. In trials, we ought to go and call on Jesus and go to Jesus. And this trial, Paul called in the name of Jesus. Verse 18, and she did this many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said, Spirit, 
I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ, come out of her. And he came out at the same hour. She spoke truth. She said, she saw the nature of Paul. These men are the servants of the Most High God. She saw that. She was possessed. She was a tool of Satan. And Paul was grieved. And Paul said, Jesus, in the name of Jesus, come out. She called on, he called on Jesus. In his toughest, one of his toughest times, he went and called on Jesus. When we go through trials, do we call on Jesus? Do we go to him? Do we ask him to help us? There's a demon possession, there's a call in Jesus' name, but there also was greed. Verse 19, and when her masters saw that their hope of gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and unto the rulers and brought them, brought them to the magistrates saying, these men being Jews do exceeding trouble in our cities. And teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither for, to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten. And when he w- had laid many stripes on them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, put them in the inner prison and made their feet fastened with stocks. There was greed. These men here, they, their gains were gone. Their, their hope of money was gone. And so what did they do? They, they, out, there was an outcry of the gospel. They outcried against the gospel because of what happened. And so what did they do? They, picked, they grabbed Paul and Silas. They created false charges. They brought them before the magistrates, and they created false charges against them, saying that these Jews do exceeding trouble in our city. I mean, were they? Were they really doing trouble in the city? To them they were. They, were stopped, they, they, cast, the man, they cast a demon out of the, one of their employees, but really, what they were doing was helping the city, showing the gospel to them. It says these, these men had outcried against the gospel, and they took only Paul and Silas. It's interesting that they took Paul and Silas and not anybody else. So at this point, they had Paul, Silas, Timothy, and Luke. And they didn't take Timothy and Luke because Timothy and Luke weren't Jews. Timothy was a Greek, and so was Luke. That they took, because Paul and Silas were Jews, they took them and were able to char- make charges against them. And it created false charges. They taught, apparently taught customs which are not lawful. And so greed caused an outcry against the gospel. Greed caused uh, tr- false charges and greed caused corruption of political officials. Verse 22, it says, And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten. And put them in prison. Fault. They were corruption of political officials was created, and what happened? They were beaten. They had many stripes, and they were thrown in prison, the darkest, the hardest prison ever, really, in the inner prison, and put many stocks in them. Trials were caused. Paul's Paul's here, just being sensitive to the Spirit, trying to follow the Spirit, and the Spirit already changes plans, and now the Spirit's Spirit's putting him through trials. But. But the Spirit, even though he, the Spirit causes trials, the Spirit also produces fruit. The Spirit produces fruit. Verse 11, back in verse 11 now, we're coming off this point, and verse 11 says, Therefore, loosing from Troas, we came with a straight course to Samothrace, and the next day, Neopolis. We're going back to the little store, the traveling plan, but if, we, if you felt, pay attention, there's a verb tense that was changed. In, the, in 6 through 8, it talks about how they, or, or they went, or they did this. And now, in verse not, 10 and 11, it changes from they to us and we. The writer of this book is now with them. But Luke, the apostle, Luke is added to the group. Or not the apostle, Luke is added to the group. Luke is a very interesting character. He's a skilled doctor. He was, import, he was a very skilled doctor. And Paul was not a healthy individual. Paul had, as he talks about in 2 Corinthians, a thorn in the flesh. So Paul needed someone that he could trust to be with him and help him through the hardest times and through the times when he needed medical assistance. And so he needed someone that he could trust. Luke was also a prolific writer. Luke wrote more of the New Testament than anyone else. It's hard, it's hard that we, we don't often think of that. When we think of who wrote the most of the New Testament or who wrote the New Testament, we think of Paul. He wrote 13 books of the New Testament. Or Matthew or Mark or John, who wrote John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and then the book of Revelation. But the apostle, or but Luke, doctor, wrote more of the New Testament than anyone else. He wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. He wrote more. He's a prolific writer. He was also a faithful servant. He joins the crew. He joins the team here in Acts 16, and he stays with Paul till the very end. 
So after Acts is even written to the very end of Paul's life, he was with Paul till his death. In Luke, in Second Timothy four eleven, it says, "Only Luke is with me." This is Paul's second book in Second Timothy four. It's Paul's last book he ever writes. And he says, "Only Luke is with me." He had just been forsaken by one of his men, one of his mentees, Demas, and he had sent over sent Tychicus, one of his faithful ministers, over to help Timothy and to take the church from Timothy, so that Timothy could come to visit Paul. And what does Paul say? Only Luke is with me. Everybody else is gone. Luke is a faithful servant. But he's not a faithful servant of Paul. He was a faithful servant of God. He also was sensitive to the Spirit in following Paul and being with Paul no matter what happened. He was a faithful servant. Not only is Luke added to the group, but Lydia is converted. Look at verse 13 of Acts 6. It says, And on the Sabbath we went out of the city by the riverside, and there prayer was wont to be made. And we sat down and spake to the women which resorted thither. And a certain woman named Lydia, a seller of purple, of the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God, heard us, whose heart was the Lord opened, and she attended unto the things which were spoken of Paul. And then when she was baptized, and her household was, she brought us, saying, If ye have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. She constrained us. Paul follows his usual pattern. Whenever we look at Paul and we follow Paul's pattern of ministry, he would go, as soon as he gets to the city, he would go to the synagogue and preach in the synagogue. And here we find in the city of Philippi, we don't see one of those. There's not a synagogue for some reason. We don't know if there were no Jews there or if they just didn't have one, but they didn't have a synagogue. Instead, there was a place where prayer was made outside the city. And women went there. God-fearing women gathered there. And so we see this one woman come up named Lydia, a professional woman. Lydia, it said in verse 14, a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, which worshipped God. She's a seller of purple. Purple was an expensive uh, robe, an expensive thing at that time. It's known, for, it's known for royalty. She was a seller of it. She was from the city of Thyatira, which is, was, the, was the epicenter of the purple dye trade, where purple came from. It's also mentioned, the city of Thyatira is also mentioned in Revelation 2 as one of the seven churches. But that's, again, not the real point. She's a professional woman, but the main point of this passage, which worshipped God, heard us, and whose heart the Lord opened. She had a heart that heard the Lord. She heard the Lord. She was willing to hear. She worshipped the Lord. And so what happens? They, they preach to her. They lead her to Christ. And she's baptized. And what does she do? She goes straight into service. She's saved. She goes straight into asking them to stay in her house. And if we look at the end of the chapter, at verse 40, it says, And when they had gone, went out of prison and entered into the house of Lydia. In verse 40. She was serving immediately after she was saved. She was converted and became fruitful. Spirit produced fruit. Also, the spirit produced fruit and the Philippian jailer was converted. Look, go back over to verse 25 now. I know we're jumping around, but this will be the last thing. Verse 25. So Paul and Silas are put in jail. They, they don't, they, spirit caused trials in their lives and they're put in jail. And this is what happens at midnight. Verse 25, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake and and so that the foundation of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. The Philippian jailers converted. There's a preparation for this conversion. In verse 25, Paul and Silas have a very good testimony example. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. Here Paul and Silas are. They're, they're thrown to jail. They're, there's false charges put up against them. And what are they doing? They're singing praises to God. They're in the inner prison, they're in the darkest dungeon of the Philippian jail, and yet they're still praising God. They're still rejoicing in God. Do we do that? Do I do that? When I'm in my darkest times, when I'm in trials, or I'm going through something, do I still say, man, all glory to God, praise God? Do I still sing praises to God, even when I'm going through my hardest times of life? Something that I can't, I don't understand really. They're, they're singing and they're in chains. They're in jail. They're, they're in the darkest times of their life, and they're still singing in the darkness. They're still rejoicing in their Savior. There, there was the example of Paul, and then there was the moving of God. 
And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands fell off. There was the moving of God. God moved and created an earthquake, and the foundations were opened. There's the desperation of man, verse 29, and the keeper of the prison, awakening out of his sleep, seeing that the prison doors were open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had fled. Back in the, back in the day, back in this time, if you lost the prisoners, you were going to get killed. The king was going to put you to death. Because you were in charge of the prisoners. If you lost them, it was your life. Even says that he was given a strict charge in verse 24, who having received such a charge put them in the inner prison. And when he saw this, he was desperate and he was about to take his own life because he did rather take his own life than be publicly humiliated in front of everybody else, in front of his family. And so there's a call of hope from the believer. But Paul, verse 28, but Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm, for we all are all here. This man was in the most desperate time of his life. He was about to put himself to death. And what does Paul do? Paul says, don't do it. I have, a better thing. I have something better for you. We are all here. And so and then there's the conversion. Verse 29. And he called for a light and sprang and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. There's immediate search for the salvation for the believers. Verse 20, he looks, he searches for them. And then there's an urgent cry for salvation. Verse 20, verse 30 says, And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He saw the difference in Paul and Silas. He saw the change in them, and he wanted to be like them. Because they, in their darkest times, were singing praise to God, and him in his darkest times was about to take his own life. And so he wanted to have what they had. And then there's a proclamation of the conversion. Verse 30, and they, 31, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they spake and said unto him, The word of the Lord, Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and was baptized in all of his straightway. And when he had brought them into the house, he set meat before them, and rejoiced, believing in God and all of his house. There's proclamation. There's a necessity to believe. Paul says, what the guy, man asks, what must I do to save him? Paul says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. There's a necessity of hearing the word. After they said what you need to do, they spoke unto the word of the Lord. They spoke unto, the God, spoke unto him the gospel. And then he, he, was, he repented and was baptized. And, the, and he washed their stripes and baptized them. And all of his way, immediately. Straightway means immediately. And then they were rejoicing. He brought them out, set me before them, and rejoiced, believing in God all his, and all of his house. The Spirit can produce fruit, though we may not see it. Paul and Silas were here, verse, uh, the entire passage here, and they're, they're serving God. They're just wanting to serve God, and what, what does the Spirit do? The Spirit changes their plans. And they don't know why, but they still follow. They still say, okay, God, you got it. Then the Spirit caused trials, and they don't know why, they don't understand it, but they're still, what are they doing? They're still rejoicing God. And what did the Spirit do? The Spirit produces fruit. The Spirit saved two people and added a very important person to Paul's ministry team. It's important to be sent to the Spirit. David Livingston wanted to go to China, but God sent him to Africa. William Carey wanted to go to Polynesia, but God sent him to India. Adnan Judson went to India, but God, God guided him to Burma. God guides us all along the way. All we must do is be sensitive to him, and be seeking him, and be wanting him. And when we are obedient to spirit, he will bring direction. It's important in our Christian life to be sensitive. It is needed to be sensitive to the spirit. God, why? Because God's ways are higher than mine. There's a song that the, I think the calling goes saying, Your ways are higher than mine. Because God knows what he's doing even when we think we do. We should be living out our entire life to praise God. One of the ways to praise Him is by following the Spirit's direction and listening to Him. Being sensitive to the Spirit is needed. Paul's ministry team followed the Spirit and were sensitive to the Spirit and sensitive what they needed even when it was hard. Can that be said of us? That when we're in our darkest times, we're still following the Spirit. When we're in our darkest times, we're still praising God. We're still thankful for what he's done in our life. 
I wouldn't, I'll tell you, I wouldn't be here if my parents weren't sent to the Spirit five years ago and, le- and left the church we were at. I just, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be sent. If my parents weren't sensitive, I would not be here, let alone on a platform. It's important to be sensitive to the Spirit. We talked about Pastor John shared a story this morning about how uh, he had to be sensitive and he, and even in coming here. And what did the Spirit do? The Spirit changed his plans. He wasn't really planning on becoming a senior pastor, if I remember correctly. And then he comes here and the Spirit causes trials and he's like, God, why are you punishing me? What did he do? The Spirit produced fruit. And now 30, what is it now, almost 30 years later, 22? 32 years later, we're in this beautiful building, even outgrowing this one. We don't understand what the Spirit's doing. We don't understand why the Spirit's doing, but we know, we should know that God's still got a plan. And God can still use us no matter what happens. I told the teens this story of a college student that was my friend. His name's Jaden Goins. He passed away this last year. He was hit by a truck. He was still, no matter what was going to happen, he was still sensitive to the Spirit. He, he wanted to become a, he was going to go to Honduras and serve with his parents after he graduated college. But he knew that God had a plan for him no matter what happened. Even if it meant that he was going to pass away. And what happened? The Spirit produced fruit. Through Jaden's passing, the, tr- the college campus changed quite a bit. I know some of my friends got real about how life works and how life works. Got real about the relationship with Christ, all because of one man's testimony. Can that be said of you? That you were sensitive, that you were following the Spirit, that you, were, that you followed God and you were surrendered to whatever God had to you, and so that, when, so that no matter what happens, you are going to follow Him. Can that be said of me? If you're not saved today, I implore you to get that settled. We have two pastors in the back. This sermon was really meant, aimed at the Christian to be sensitive to the Spirit, but even the Spirit can be prodding you tonight if you're not saved. Pastor John and Pastor Brett in the back, and I'm up here, Caleb's over in, the, over in somewhere. We have deacons all the way throughout this building. I implore you, if you're not saved tonight, get that settled tonight, get that figured out. It's important to be sensitive to the Spirit's moving in your life. Because the Spirit can produce fruit. The Spirit brings direction. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for the Spirit's moving and how he works in people's lives, even though we may not see it, we may not understand it, we may not know why, we still know that the Spirit works. I thank you for the ability to be sensitive to the Spirit. I thank you for the, the work in my life that you've given me. Thank you for the pastoral staff and just their pouring into us this church, Lord, for their testimonies, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we as Christians would be sensitive to you and would be following you no matter what happens. And even when trials come up, we're still praising, we're still worshiping you. And when our darkest times, we're still singing praises to God. Because we know that you will somehow produce fruit in one way or another. I thank you, Lord, for your work and for this church. Thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Drew. Let's all stand. So the question before us is, you know, are we sensitive to the Spirit of God? Are we following the Spirit's lead? And uh, I don't know what God might have been prodding your heart with about the last few days, weeks, or just the last few moments, uh, that we need to be allowing the Spirit of God to uh, to guide us. But... You know, what Drew pointed out, it's always worth it, right? The Spirit of God prods us, guides us, leads us, and then shows us the direction He wants us to go and brings fruit into our lives and brings the gospel uh, to fruition. And what a great opportunity it is for us to serve. So uh, before us is this decision. What are we doing with the Spirit's prodding, the Spirit's leading? You know, I've found that the devil never prods us to do God's work. You ever thought about that? People say, should I do this for the Lord? When you're thinking that, that's probably the Spirit of God prodding. You understand? Because it's not the devil. He's not sitting there saying, should I witness to this? Should you really witness to that person? That's not the devil. That's, that's the Spirit of God. So uh, I'm going to just, we're going to have an invitation. We just encourage you as the Spirit has been speaking to you that you would just allow uh, his, 
He's speaking to you through the word and that's been presented to us tonight. So you just let the Lord have his way as we sing. 489, where he leads me, I will follow. 489, where he leads me, I will follow. Let's sing that again. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. I can hear my Savior calling. Take thy cross and follow, follow me. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. Where he leads me, I will follow. I'll go with him, with him all the way. Amen. What a great song that message. Drew, that was a great job. We appreciate that uh, that message. So, if you're uh, wanting to blame somebody, I made the call about the fireworks, all right? It's still a swamp out back, and uh, that's where your kids would be playing, and then they'd be coming in here, and then, you know, so we're going to hold off fireworks until tomorrow night. If you brought food, you're welcome to leave it here. If you didn't bring food and you weren't planning on coming, maybe you can come tomorrow night. I don't know. Uh, it's about 7 o'clock. You can gather here if you want to to play games and stuff. If you want to just show up for fireworks, then that's fine. Uh, I didn't mention this morning, but I would encourage you to bring lawn chairs, things like that. We don't have, you know, we've got grass ready to sit on, right? And the chairs that we have don't do well, especially when the ground is soft. Uh, they don't do well. They just sink right in, you know, so your lawn chairs would be much better. Uh, so you can bring those tomorrow night. You can bring a blanket, I think, tomorrow night because it's supposed to be sunny and hot tomorrow, so it'll dry out. But right now, if you brought a blanket, you would uh, get wet. So anyway, uh, that's tomorrow night. And then... Just if you would consider, um, we're all we're going to camp, meaning the the pastors are going to be gone, and the interns are running the show for the week that we're going to camp. That being said, um, you know we usually make sure that they're covered with meals, and uh, so if, right now there's one meal taken care of for camp week on the list. So if you would consider maybe uh, helping out the uh, interns. You know, otherwise they're going to starve to death, you know, those poor guys. Uh, you know, they're not going to, of course. But anyway, I'm just throwing it out there for you. Grant was listening. He did text me and say, thanks for the shout-out, Pastor. So I hope you're still listening, Grant, because this is the second shout-out. So if you don't catch the second one, we know, we know you just listened long enough to hear it out yet. And uh, But I also, uh, Bob Williams also texted me. So Grant was uh, saying, you know, Pastor said, put your name in and possible intern. And Bob texted me and says, Subtlety is not your thing. <laughs> so anyway, he's out there listening to. All right, am I supposed to make any other announcements? Oh, that was you. Ah, okay. Well, I said on my phone, Bob, get you in there, Bob. So I'll change that. <laughs> All right. Well, fine. Don't pay attention, Bob. I don't know if he's watching or not. I thought he was driving, but okay, maybe not. Anything else I'm supposed to announce? Subtlety is not my thing. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> the Lord bless you, keep you, make His face shine upon you, give you peace. God bless you, you're dismissed.